0: Hello friends and welcome back to the Complete Tech Heads with me Tom Edwards. This week I am joined by Matt Zarb-Cousin who is the co-founder and director of external affairs at Gamban, an app that helps you stop gambling. He is also a recovering gambling addict himself. So Matt, thanks so much for joining me.
1: How are you doing? Very good, thanks, Tom. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Um, Director of External Affairs is sort of a pompous title, really. It's more, uh, I'm in charge of comms, so that's why I'm here. Hello. Uh, And also I am in charge of business development, so uh, yeah, we're obviously working with a lot of different organisations at the moment who distribute Gamban, and that's obviously very exciting. I'm sure we'll come on to that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, I took the took the title from your from a quick LinkedIn scan before we uh, before we jumped on. Um, but but yeah, should have uh, should have maybe got a got a bio from you beforehand. So look. Um, I want to talk about about Gamban and and everything you're doing to kind of tackle the issue of online gambling which I know is is a very serious one. But first of all I'd like to get just uh, a bit of background on your story. So how did you how did you first discover online gambling and take me through the journey.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because for me when I when I started gambling I was 16 and this is back in 2006 and um, it was in betting shops. It was with uh, fixed odds betting terminals. And I gambled right. um, uh, on those for the first time, having gone into the shop to bet on on a football match. Um, I was underage. I shouldn't have been able to gamble on them at all. But I was exposed to high-speed roulette uh, on machines where you could stake up to £100 a spin, um, a very, very addictive form of gambling. And I got addicted to those right. machines very, very quickly. And um, yeah, it uh, almost, it, to, be, to be honest with you, almost killed me after four years of addiction and um, debt and just, you know, the highs and lows that come with a gambling addiction and the way it takes over your life and everything else falls by the wayside. You can't get any enjoyment out of anything other than gambling and the only thing you're thinking about is your next bet if you're not gambling. All of that just kind of comes to a head at the, at the point where you no longer have money uh, to gamble because you've lost all the money you have access to. Um, I'd sold all my stuff. I had um, basically not- I had nothing and uh, I had to confront where it had got me. And I'd used gambling as an escape from the problems gambling has had caused it, one of those weird addictions where you could convince yourself that by doing the thing you're addicted to you can solve all the problems that is that you've got your, that it's got right. you into because you can one win away from sorting this out at least in the short term so there's so it's so difficult to shake that um your brain is, you know, the, the best way of describing it is like your brain is addicted to it and it is telling you, your brain's very powerful. It's telling you to do something. It's, it's giving you reasons to do something because um, it's craving that activity. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, in the end, you know, I had to confront where it got me. And, and that was unfortunately a bit a point of where I was um, wanting to take my own life. And it got um, very, very difficult. And, and, Thankfully, that didn't happen, and um, got a um, got into treatment, got help and support, and uh, was very lucky to come out the other side. I I, ha- I did relapse a few times after that episode, and you know, even after that, um, you know, the, when I had money again, the addiction was drawing me back in, and. Uh, eventually, I did stop on my twentieth birthday, so I haven't had a bet now for fourteen years. Um, and the reason I started Gamban was obviously I met Jack Simmons, the co-founder, and he was addicted to online gambling. And I and I just thought like this was bad enough for me um, when I was you know gambling on the machines, and I you know I'd have to actually go to a shop to bet on roulette, and, and I would I would do that, I would make that you know, that trip. Um, and that was bad enough. If I had it on a device that I carried around everywhere with me, that would have been, I think it'd be very, very difficult for me to have quit gambling. If like smartphones were not as prevalent in 2010, you know, the app based gambling Mm. was just not, not really a thing until a bit later on until sort of 2014, when the remote gambling act came into force and online gambling was, was regulated in Britain. Um, until that point, you know, it was basically fixed odds betting terminals were the thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that just that, that idea frightened me of like, what, what would it have been like to, to have to have to carry around, because you have to these days, don't you, a smartphone, and on that, you can gamble within seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Gamban sort of stemmed from that, really.
0: Wow. Well, look, I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but I just want to, hone in on one point that you made about the the this idea that gambling can you're, you're telling yourself that more gambling can solve all of your problems so do you think that recovering your loss this sort of rolling loss recovery circuit is just is is, is constantly short-circuiting inside your brain is that like a fundamental part of this do you think
1: yeah so you think the um yeah it's an interesting one because basically you it's irrational to gamble as much as you do when you're addicted, but you will want so therefore you're you're saying this is an irrational thing to do, um you know the odds are against me, but your brain is saying actually it is rational, so you're having this kind of this this tension within your mind of your it's right lots of psychotherapists use something called motivational interviewing so it's like figuring out like what version of yourself wins in that kind of tent from that tension mm. that takes place within a, within an individual right and the addicted part of your brain or yourself is saying you're you know just if you add one more win um even if you want a little bit of money um only you're only going to bet 20 pounds if you go in like all, telling yourself all of these things that you know, once you're once you started gambling, it's just not true. If you did, even if you did have a big win, you would gamble again because you're addicted. Um, if you lose, if mm-hmm. you lose that 20 pounds, you're gonna start chasing because you're addicted. And that will then become the rational thing to do. You would then think, well, I've lost 20, I might right. as well chase it, I might as well try and win it back. Or I've just won loads of money gambling, why would I not carry on gambling, right? So everything is about yeah, yeah, yeah. allowing the addiction to override what is objectively rational and it, it is a uh, it's so difficult to convince yourself not to do it because it because the, the arguments to do it are more i would say more compelling than an addiction to alcohol mm. or drugs because that's a physiological addiction and that is you know that's a dependency as gambling is but it's almost it's without this kind of added layer of like Intellectualization, which is like basically you know if you do right. you are basically one win away no, no one is addicted to cocaine would have the cocaine addiction saying to them, the more cocaine you do, the more likely you are to recover from this addiction you, you believe the <laughs> heart, at, at the heart of it at the heart of it of the gambling addiction is this belief that if you if you won all the money back, all the harm would disappear, and the addiction really plays on that that it, and I think it's uh it's helpful to understand it in, in that, you know, using that framework to actually understand it as something trying to talk to you. I don't know if you've ever had an addiction whether it's nicotine or something like that. But ever since I gave up gambling, it was much easier to give up the other stuff because whenever I got a craving, I was like, that's the addiction talking to me. That's not me. And it really is a kind of, that. this is why like a lot of people in recovery is sort of like quite, I don't know, Self-aware because they've been on that journey. Because to understand, like, what is actually them? Them is their decisions and their choices and, and their actions. It's not necessarily what they are. They they have impulses to do.
0: Yeah, it's so. It's funny you say that because I am. uh So I've never been addicted to gambling. I very much have been addicted to nicotine. You know, I'm, I'm not smoking at the moment, but like you know, I've. I mean, like, and vapes really were were, were terrible for this for, for lots of people. I think so. I'm I'm completely off nicotine, but I th- there's something you said that I really could resonate with, which is this idea that you do rationalize it to yourself. And I get that with gambling, yes, there's there's a chance that you'll get some, you know, the rationalization as well. Wow, you could get money back, and that that is a real possibility. And with nicotine, there is no real good rationalization. Um but that doesn't stop your brain from trying you know no, like you can absolutely I, uh, my my you know I, I, and i remember when my my dad was so he was i so say he's he's dead now he died of of cancer and during his treatment i remember coming out i went to pick him up from the hospital and took him from from chemotherapy took him out of the hospital and the first thing he did was light up a cigarette and like i was furious with him and we have one of the worst arguments we've ever had and i still feel terrible about it now because you know like because i know that in his head it was his rationalization of i can't relax fully out of this horrendous scenario that i've been in in the hospital which he didn't like i can't fully relax into normal mode until i've had the nicotine so it'll be better for me to be relaxed to have a nice chat with tom in the in the car whatever there'll have been some rationalization that his brain will have convinced him is 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 true even even when it's not and like do you have any idea on like is it is it to do with dopamine reward pathways or like is 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 there any have you done any digging on how we do this to ourselves how we can lie to ourselves so convincingly
1: yeah it's it's rooted in survival so it's uh when you do something that triggers a dopamine reward system um and adrenaline and all the other kind of physiological elements but particularly dopamine your your brain starts to rewire the neural pathways um which are you know usually preserved for things like things we have to do to stay alive. So when you eat a meal, you'll get a dopamine reward. When you have some water, if you're thirsty, you get a dopamine reward. Um, all of these things mm. that we need to do to survive that we've evolved the capacity to do, um, they, these activities, because they give us such concentrated hits of dopamine consistently, Rewire those pathways. So basically, our brain thinks we need to do them to survive. So what it's doing is it's it's the survival instinct that's kicking in. Like obviously, it, should, it shouldn't be, but it, it you know in, incorrectly kicking in and that in those moments where you're saying yeah, I don't yeah, want to do this yeah. thing. It's like it's a bit like if you've ever tried to like not eat or fasted for a long time, right? And then like yeah, mm. that, it, it's it's extremely difficult to do to do that, right? And um, and that's the that's the same thing that's happening with someone who's addicted to something. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not, I wasn't trying to minimise other you know other addictions at all. When I was talking about gambling, being no, quite, no, and quite, to be, be clear, being,
0: I don't I don't think you were. No, no, I just I, you know, I don't think
1: you were at all. Being being um, quite just just unique in the sense that you know it is so difficult to win that argument against yourself if you believe yeah. that the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the root cause is. It is the losses which can be overcome by more gambling. It's a you know it's a bit like if 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 your dad or anyone who's addicted to nicotine believed that by ingesting more nicotine they could cure the problems that the that the, the smoking had caused them, right? It's like it, it, obviously yeah, the, you know yeah. that that it's that is that, it, it, exactly it's a compounding effect. And I think you know I, I was I had a nicotine addiction. In fact, I was one of the very few people probably in the country that went from cigarettes to vaping and then back to cigarettes to quit vaping because I got like super, super addicted to nicotine from vaping. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I've, right, had it okay. to, I've had it easier to get I up to. I fully understand it. Yeah. Um, anyway, this yeah. was- um, so well, I, they're, I, like, they're like Haribo. They're like, yeah. they're like sweets. And, and they're inside, like Haribo sweets. You know, they like had to go outside for a cigarette. Like it was a kind of a bit of a you know, ritualized in a way, but there was, you know, the, yeah, the yeah. the nic- There wasn't a constant sort of stream of nicotine being ingested all day, which is kind of the problem. But anyway, um, I know exactly what you mean about that. Cause I, I gave up in 2019 and it was tough. Um, but you know, my God, did I think of reasons to do it? Uh, one of them being health yeah. paradoxically. Well, you know, it's good for your metabolism, isn't it? And all this sort of nonsense that you tell yourself <laughs> these lies, right? Um, so, yeah, the brain is very, very powerful. And we 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 have to surrender to that, we have to say, I think as humans, you know, we, we are not masters of the brain, we, we are, you know, we have to understand that we are not in complete control of everything. And, um, and understanding that paradoxically, I think is the way to um, making good decisions, making good choices and um, And dealing, and dealing with, with these types of addictions and being, and being mindful of that fact is the fact that, you know, separating the self from the brain, I know it's kind of a bit of a spiritual thing, but I think that's why a lot of these recovery programs, like the 12 steps are based on that sort of spirituality to sort of delineate the individual from the brain and sort of say, like, look, this is a thing that's addicted and you know, you don't have to act on that. You can, you can make a different decision. Um, and what we're trying to do with gamban is obviously like get give people the the best possible chance um, if we can put friction and barriers in the way between individuals, their brain telling them to gamble and their decision to gamble, mm. but then the action of gambling, which is the so it's the the brain telling them to, to gamble do they decide that's the first step if they decide, then making the action as difficult as possible will mean that that decision is hopefully likely to change and then that allows the brain the space to mm. recover and and that's the kind of that's the theory behind it and it's working so yeah yeah
0: so look i so i, I definitely I want to come on to to gamban and, and the things that you can do to insulate people but i'm also curious about one thing that i th- I, th- I think maybe you've you've missed in that pathway that you've identified which is which is triggers that I think um, you know in in your day of of gambling would probably have just been walking past you know I won't name any any betting shops, but hmm. you know one of the big ones you'd see the sign, I assume, and that's a little trigger um, you see a you know the, the the glimpse of the screen or whatever it may be, but now we've got these devices which are engineered to trigger us to spend more and more time on them like just can you talk a bit about that that how much of a change that is for somebody who it has a predisposition towards
1: having a gambling problem yeah i think less and less you need a predisposition to have a gambling problem i think it's what we've got i mean so i was on this program in america called 60 minutes it was um about gambling addiction and uh uh, online gambling in particular. And they had a guy there uh, on their foot called Bill Miller, who was from the American Gaming Association. He's like the top lobbyist for the gambling industry. And he said that it's not gambling addiction, it's smartphone addiction. And I thought that was a very really right. strange thing to say, right? To basically deny the existence yeah. of, of gambling addiction. Um, uh, but what he inadvertently I think revealed was these are companies that have used all of the techniques that social media companies have used that you know apps that want to optimize engagement and drive engagement have used and they've added the layer of the already addictive gambling products on top of that so you basically have this situation where like a game like roulette which was um, at one point, banned all over Europe, right the only place you could play it was Monaco i think, and you know that was that was the you know monte carlo wow that it was known to be yeah, so yeah. so addictive, refined over centuries right to be as addictive as possible and we taken and, and we recognized that in the 1960s when we legalized gambling we said right we 're only going're going we 'll allow table games we 'll we'll tolerate them but we 'll put them in casinos and we 'll Limit the number of casinos, right? Because this is known to be harmful form of gambling. And we'll do things like calling off periods. Yeah. So you can't just walk in off the street and all that sort of stuff. And now we've just gone, well, actually, oh, the internet's now a thing. So we'll just allow it on the internet and we won't have any controls. And we'll um, basically promote this as if it's a normal thing to do every day. And that you know, that is a problem in and of itself you have it you got these games that are addictive that are played much faster online and they're completely accessible because of the, the delivery device but also they've got these are big data companies they know so much about their users they profile their users they um they know what they like betting on when what what marketing they respond to what push notifications work, when they're likely to take up the offer of free spins because the whole industry is geared towards getting their customers onto onto slots and casino content, which is where they make the majority of the the money. So all of these things... Really? Interesting. Slots is more than 50% of gross revenue in Britain, which is like crazy. Um, Wow. And the addiction rate, the the rate of addiction or at-risk gambling associated with online slots is about 45%. So it's like a huge proportion of people that are using this product have gambling problems. That's driving the majority of the revenue. So the whole business model is get people to sign up to bet on sport, which is what they promote and then cross sell, but do so in a way that is like optimized, right? So everything is almost like weighted against the consumer. It's so, so difficult for a consumer to get any advantage over these apps or these platforms, but, you know, people yeah. people are gambling because they want to try and win money, but that's very very difficult in the long term, particularly if you're gambling on slots. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, so on on the on the slots then. So I've got a, a bit of a pet theory. So I've 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 been into uh, the like a high street casino just a couple of times, and it was literally I was just killing time, right? Um, I had to meet somebody in ten minutes. I was meeting them, you know, like I, I can't remember where, but I, it was like, I, I just thought I'd... And I, and I wasn't drinking at the time, right? So I was meeting somebody for lunch, whatever. Anyway, I went in and I put a tenner into one of the slots and I won immediately, like within three presses of the button, I won like 20 quid and then I took it out and left. And then I, I, th- I thought, great. And then so I went back and did that another time. I put in 10 pounds and then I won extremely quickly quite a lot and then i took it out again and that time so firstly in order to reinvest that money that i just won was one big red button right in the middle of the screen in order to take my winnings away i had to press like five different Mm -hmm. buttons and then take a, a, a slip over to the counter and then the you know um and so the second time i did it the, the person in there started asking me lots of questions like, you know, have you been in here much before? What's your name? Um, how often do you come in here? And made it very clear that I wasn't very welcome. And so my pet theory on that, and I haven't been back in since I kind of, you know, partly because I'm, I'm terrified of getting addicted if I get too many wins. Um, but, but also because the, you know, they made it very clear that I wasn't welcome. My theory is that I think they're set up to make you win early and then they're set up to make it very, very easy to spend that money again. And my suspicion is if I'd spent that 20 quid that I just won immediately, I wouldn't have seen that again for, uh, I could have played for another hour and a half and I wouldn't have seen that money again. Do you think that they do employ tricks like that? Is my hunch correct? Or did I just genu- genuinely get lucky a couple
1: of times? It's, do you know what? It's plausible that they do. Um, they, uh, uh... I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of content providers that you know we have had insights into some of the practices and some of the things that they've tried to do, which would suggest right. that this was not you know beyond the realms of possibility that they can basically figure out whether someone is is new to the product and they can you know, you know make it more likely that they win if they're newer to the product, right? They can that I'm sure that that's within their capability. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, there's sorts of things you're talking about there where, you know, it's easier to put the money in or repeat bet than it is to withdraw the money. Um, all these sorts of dark nudges, that they are used by online gambling firms um, and they are optimized. Um, they're kind of on, it's like, the casino industry has always been doing yeah. this stuff, but this is like on steroids. So one of the things that people know about-
0: right? Like yeah,
1: we'll, we'll, we'll recognize about the casino industry is if you ever go in a casino, particularly in Vegas, and you look down at the carpet, you immediately don't want to look at it because it's disgusting. And that is a very, <laughs> that's a, that's a very deliberate thing, right? That's one of the things they do is they, they'll, they'll put really hideous carpets down and, and you might've never really noticed because you don't want to look at it. Your eyes, you, you avert your eyes that's because they want you to look up at the tables and they don't want you to look down, right? So everything in a casino right, is optimised yeah. for for that sort of behavioural science. But obviously in an in a in-person context, with, with online gambling, it's optimised for time on device, engagement, um, trying to get you to yeah. bet on things that you don't normally bet on to keep you in action. Um, and then you think, well, how do you reconcile that with... This notion of responsible gambling which the industry likes to pretend that they support and they want people to gamble within their means and at the same time they're investing you know huge amounts of money and resource into getting people to gamble more so it's like how so it can't be both right it's an inherent contradiction yeah
0: yeah And, and look i mean it's 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 exactly the same issue that Cigarette companies had that alcohol companies had. How do you sell something that's very clearly bad for you? Uh, you know, like it's the 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 alcohol. It, you know, like booze is, is. How how many people go into a pub and drink? You know, half a a lager and then leave. You know, nobody. And it, if everybody did, they wouldn't make any money, right? <laughs> like, I mean, the, that's the contradiction at the heart of the gambling industry is that every, if everybody did gamble aware in the way that they say that they should they'd get they'd get kicks out of the apps you know if people actually made money on it they'd get banned right that you wouldn't need gamban if people were making loads of money from the gambling apps because you know they'd be they'd be taking their winnings and never opening the app again you know
1: exactly it's it's 86 if they won uh, 86 percent of profit coming from five percent of people that are addicted or at risk so you have a a huge dis- wow. dependence on really? the commercial model. Is that's, like-
0: that's an incredible stat.
1: Yeah, that's... Um, that's an incredible stat. ...patterns of play, um, which was a Gamblerware Commission study using industry data. So that's you know, very credible. And, um, yeah, I can't I mean, believe it, that. that, that's the comm- that that's 5%. The- yeah, yeah. So that's the commercial model. So then you think, well, reducing harm will reduce profits. So therefore... The only way you can reduce harm you can't expect one operator to do it, it has to be through regulation but then you're looking at at least in the short term a much smaller gambling industry right so in theory you could have a situation where like a bit like the national lottery where lots of people participate they don't spend a huge amount of money but there's one lottery operator right and you know, th- there's lots of gambling companies. So I think what we'll see with these regulations that are coming in, which hopefully will make a difference, things like affordability checks, stake limits and online slots, is a more consolidated, smaller sector um, that isn't as reliant on people gambling more than they can afford. Like, Why on earth would you have allow right. a, a commercial model that is dependent on people getting addicted? It's terrible.
0: Yeah. Dependent on just essentially shitting all over the poor 5% of people that have got hooked in so far that that they, they don't know what else to do and are in the kind of position that you outlined at the beginning of this show, where you're even going so far as to contemplate taking your own life. Yeah, definitely. Those people need to be protected. Not, not, not I mean, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. Like not having just even more, Money taken from that I mean, that's that's insane. Five percent. I really can't believe that. I'm flabbergasted. Um, so, look, legislation is one thing. We're not there yet. In the meantime, there are fortunately products like Gamban out there that people can access without needing the government to do it, do it. Lift a single finger, hmm. and which is fortunate because at present the government does not yeah. seem to be doing very much at all anyway. Hmm. Um, so. So tell me about Gamba and then what is the fundamental kind of principle here? Is it like, because presumably you're, you're fighting all sorts of different types of push notifications and you know text, and all, I, I don't know, whatever else. What's your kind of fundamental thesis?
1: Yeah, so the first thing we'd encourage people to do if they want to quit online gambling, and usually that light bulb moment occurs when you've had a, a session where you've lost a lot of money. I, it did for me. Um, And uh, in that moment, self-exclude. And obviously if you self-exclude from one operator, that's not going to stop you going gambling with with anyone else. So therefore sign up to GamStop, which will will stop you accessing all UK licensed gambling sites and then download Gamban, which is another layer of protection, which will stop you accessing any gambling site um, on the device it's installed on uh, wherever you are in the world. So the principle behind it is okay. if you layer up the protection, if you layer up the, uh, and, you know, gambling is definitely you know, a key component of that. Um, some banks now as well offer like gambling transaction blocks where you have to have a calling off period if you want to switch it back on. Um, yeah, if, layer it up in that moment. And when you have an urge to gamble, which you will, your future self will thank you. Your fu- think about your future self and, you know, getting, getting loads and loads of reasons from your brain to gamble um, and getting convinced by that and feeling like you need to. And, and that urge will come. So get the barriers in place. And then when that urge comes, it's too much effort to get around it. And then you think, then you can, you know, you have the breathing space. You have the opportunity to win that argument um, and, and you know, against taking that decision to act on those impulses. Um, it's extremely difficult to give up anything, to give up any addiction, uh, anything that you're addicted to. Um, and w- what we want to do is just put a bit of friction there where there used to be naturally occurring friction. There used to be, a, you know, if you want to play roulette, you've got to drive to the casino or whatever. And that just isn't the case now. And we just want to make, mm. make it so that people can still carry on, have a normal life and opt out of this gambling 24 seven culture, which has been sort of enabled by technological yeah. advances.
0: Yeah, I guess that, yeah, I guess friction is essentially the the thing that lies at, at the heart of this, right, um, putting up some kind of barrier. And I can imagine, like, I think there's, there's almost an analogy between gambling addiction and like food addiction, people that have problems with binge eating, in that if you're a big like football fan for example you will find it impossible to enjoy watching your favorite sport without being flooded with gambling advertising in the same way that someone who struggles with binge eating still has to eat food Hmm. you if you still want to enjoy watching sport any Hmm. sport really but football mainly you're gonna have to wade through loads of gambling advertising right and as you've kind of already outlined that's the thin end of the wedge right they bring you in with with football and then the whole business model is oriented towards pushing you towards the very very high margin products like slots and and roulette so like yeah i don't know if there's anything anything that you kind of want to speak to there do
1: you think that's a fair analogy yeah for sure i mean this is the this is it it's like it's in, in extremely difficult for someone in recovery to delineate or extricate football activities that they enjoy um, from gambling so to actually imagine a world where you can go to the football uh, uh and not put a bet on the team or to bet like saturday saturday comes around and to not do an accumulator or like there's lots of There's lots of things that people find difficult to um, overcome in in that regard, in the sort of cultural aspect. But I think what we're trying to do with Gamban is to say that urge will come, that will be difficult. We know it will. Um, But if you download Gamban, you can start a new path. And we've put loads of new features on this app, which incentivize recovery. We're trying to get people to engage with the app and make recovery their focus. Um, so tight that counts the time since you gambled it counts the money that you've spent we're, we're building in new features like rewards and we're trying to gamify the recovery process for people and and i think it's in you know, right that is okay. that, that kind fighting of, fire with fire yeah well that that kind of is that well-being element should be the focus of anyone wanting to give up gambling and anything like yeah, and it's not just quitting gambling. It's it's focusing on yourself and improving improving yourself and um, uh, personal development mm. and all of the things that you know that went felt, went by the wayside while you were gambling. You know, now you, now you have the time and the headspace and the resources to maybe look at again. And that's what we wanted. To, that's what we wanted to do with Gamban is to kind of facilitate that. And and if you have to sacrifice, you know, not putting a bet on. Your team at the weekend—it's it's worth it because the upside is huge if you can leave gambling behind, given you know the harm it's caused.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you know, it's it's interesting. I I go to watch football at the at the pub with some particular friends, and I'm amazed at how much they like. I you know there are lots a lot of people who won't watch football without betting on it which has never even occurred to me, to be honest, I I think my working assumption, yeah, never. (laughs) I think my working assumption has always been apart, apart from that random time I went into that casino. Um, my working assumption has always been that I'll lose. And I guess I just, I haven't done it enough to switch on that dopamine reward pathway Mm. because look, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not, under any illusion here I don't think I'm so clever that I could never get hooked in I'm very aware that I could you know and as a as an ex-smoker I'm very aware that I can do stupid stuff because my brain is is in the wrong loop right Mm -hmm. um but I think I've just yeah there's never been anything about it that has drawn me in in the first place I think I always just saw it as almost like almost like a scam like like I can't win I kind of equate betting on football with like the national lottery. Like I'll just never yeah. win it, so why bother? So, so this is an interesting um, thing,
1: right? So, so I think I've been fortunate. I think most most non gamblers would would probably agree with that analysis and that perspective. The the problem is when you're a non gambler and you gamble for the first time and you have a big win, suddenly there is a rationality here. Hold on a minute, maybe I can win. That's mm. my experience. That's my that then becomes your core belief that you can win and, uh, your, you know, that yeah. overrides any kind of rational analysis that you may have had prior to then. Um, and also like you get this massive dopamine rush, which obviously, you know, engenders that kind of change in perspective. And, um, yeah, so people, people's perspectives change as, as their experiences change. And unfortunately, like if you, if you track it, a lot of people who are addicted to gambling will recall their first big win. As I did, I had a first, I had a big win initially and that was like, I mean, it was, it was 700 quid when I was 16. So you can imagine like that was not from not, not a huge amount of money that was put in the machine. So from then on, it was like very difficult for me to convince myself, even if I was losing that I wouldn't win the money back.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, uh, it's—I I guess that 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 mechanic probably has as always. It's why gambling exists, right? Like, it is that there is that possibility. The the odds vary, obviously, but there's always a chance, which I guess is is why people get hooked in because they probably stop thinking about the game theory of it and the maths behind the scenes that the bookies are thinking about 24 seven and employing like maths, PhDs to come and work on the (laughs) back end of their apps to set the odds. And, you know, people forget about that and just think about the big win that they had. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's um, insidious. So look, I, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up soon, but the, the last thing I wanted to, ask you about is in case there's anybody listening here who either thinks they have a problem, which I think we've kind of covered a little bit, but also if they know someone who might have a problem who, because, you know, maybe they've seen some of the signs and they want to look after them. Have you got any advice on what your first steps might be to approach that kind of a conversation?
1: That's a great question. And I think um, people won't tend to present with a gambling problem initially they'll present with a financial problem. Maybe they'll ask to borrow money, or they'll say that, you know, they're, they're struggling uh, to pay pay f- for stuff when that's not normally the case. Um, and I think right. having a conversation at that moment is really important because that's usually the point just before things could get really bad. Um, and it's not a, it's not a problem right. that is, um, caused by financial harm that is that financial harm causes harm but that's a symptom you know is harm in and of itself sorry but it's a symptom of a gambling addiction and I think it's important that whenever you're having conversations with people it's that they are made aware that you're aware that gambling is an addictive activity particularly online gambling particularly the way it's run and optimized by the operators where you know this is a sector that relies on people getting addicted, losing more than they can afford. And this is by design, not by accident. They're not an individual that's abusing a service. They are doing what the thing has tried to get them to do, which is lose more than they can afford, right? So I think yeah. approaching it in that way in like a really destigmatizing way is so important. And uh, you know, it's not a problem with them. It's the problem they have to solve themselves and take you know, take responsibility for their recovery and all that sort of stuff. But they are not the sole reason why they've become addicted to gambling. It is, uh, it, it is by design. Right. And, um, I think that's a good thing to do. And also, yeah, you know, I mentioned before, you know, self-excluding and putting the barriers in place and, um, giving that a go and, uh, going to, if, if, if it's helpful going for gambling addiction treatment, we're in a kind of situation now where you can get, you can get therapy for gambling addiction because of the way it's funded. Um, you can get that therapy pretty quickly. It's different to, you know, going for general kind of mental health services. So I would encourage people to call the National Gambling Helpline or to present to the NHS clinics for gambling addiction, which the specialist ones now opened up all over the country. So, um, yeah, I mean, but that may not be necessary for everyone. It's just really, there's lots of of support out there now, more Mm -hmm. than when I was recovering from a gambling addiction. And... I think it's important people know that.
0: Yeah. And on uh, to round off on you then, so you've clearly come an incredibly long way, um, but when you were at your worst point, how, how much do you think you lost in total over the course of your addiction?
1: It wasn't anything. It wasn't any more than twenty thousand, which I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of a lifetime of working, and that's, yeah, it's, that's quite a lot. It, it it's it's not. I mean, yeah. I mean twenty twenty thousand in in, well, look. in in twenty in twenty ten money. Yeah, and and the fact that I was twenty and I had you know I'd look, and the amount of debt I was in yeah. and everything as a result of that. Yes, it was a lot of money. It was a pain uh, to have to deal with that and the consequences and the fallout as well as you know the the fact that the mental health issues that stemmed from quitting gambling because you're sort of in like suspended animation while you're addicted to gambling and then you've got to deal with all the problems and everything. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't easy to deal with, but I don't think it was the money that led me to wanting to take my own life. I think it was, that was a factor, but I don't think it was that in and of itself. I think it was the loss of control and feeling like I had a loss of agency. And I, I wasn't in control of myself. I think that was mainly the thing. And I think that, that that's something that we've heard a lot, or I've heard a lot since when I've been doing some work with Gambling With Lives, which represents charities. So it's a charity representing bereaved families who have lost someone to gambling addiction. And I would encourage anyone to, to have a look at that as well if, they, if that's relevant to them, um, is that there's this sort of wow. t- there's a timeline of people that they'll be addicted to gambling. They'll have a session, a big session where they've lost a lot of money but it won't necessarily be that much proportionate to their overall losses. But it's because of that long, big session where they've sort of been gambling for hours and hours and hours, and then they take the decision there to um, to end their lives. It's, it's very, very sad. But that's the that's the thing, the feature of the consistent feature among these kind of case studies is these individuals. Yeah, they, it's a, it's almost a loss of control, uh, and um, and I think that that that's something that um, is worth reflecting on. You know, for, for policymakers, it's not just the financial yeah. harm; it's it's the type of gambling that we've allowed, that the the type of products that enable that continuous gambling wherever you know, whenever. And I think that that's an issue that needs to be looked at.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a. Yeah, incredibly sad, and I, I, I suppose anything that that plays on these dopamine reward pathways does tend towards a binge mentality, and in its extreme, to the kind of loss of control that that you've described, right? Where where the the pathways taking over, and you don't you no longer have control over your own actions, and I suppose that's, I guess one of the Things that, that your product is, is addressing is that you're taking back control over your own destiny by proactively installing something that is going to put up some barriers. I guess that's almost a reminder to you whenever you do have an urge to, yeah. to, to make another it, bet. Exactly.
1: And, and it's, Oh, and it's, wait,
0: I've taken some agency here
1: in my own life. Exactly. And it's designed to be difficult to remove, which is the yeah. crucial thing for the duration of the license. So, you know, it's it, it exactly that. It, um, it's that barrier. And when, when you explain it to people that haven't had a gambling addiction, they don't really understand why anyone would... So you're saying people would want to download this on their devices. Yes, they will, because there'll be a moment where they'll want to take proactive control or they'll have that moment of clarity after a long gambling session where they're able to win that argument against their brain because their brain can't win that argument because they've just lost loads of money. So it's like at that moment, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to put the barriers in. And uh, yeah, it seems to be working very well. I mean, we've had, we've, we've had over 200,000 people use the app. And we've had over, wow. at the moment, we've got over 50,000 active users. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, we're now it's free in the UK through talkbandstop.com. And it's free in Norway, in Finland, in Sweden, in Ohio, um, and it's, it's going from strength to strength. So we're really pleased at, uh, you know, how this is becoming part of the infrastructure for, for addiction recovery.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Well, I'll be sure to put a link and, you know, whatever links you've got in the in the show notes. Um, and it, I mean, look, if you think about those 50,000 active users, you know, you've got to have saved at least one life i reckon you know just the just the, the 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 odds alone you must have which is yeah amazing i, I, I was i was on so a, I, i'm
1: feeling I, I was on irish radio recently and uh, someone actually texted in to say that which was amazing like that this the that Gamb- wow. Gamban had saved amazing. Their, 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 That's amazing. their life and their marriages yeah so phenomenal really um so yeah i mean we we're, yeah. we're 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 ho- hopeful, hopeful, hopefully it can you know keep keep going from strength to strength. We're we're talking to other jurisdictions. We want to make it free for the end user. That's the ultimate kind of aim in each country. And um, right. yeah, we're definitely getting there.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, look, I feel I feel inspired, um, and you know, just not 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 just on the on the product and the people it's helping, but also by your story as well. Turning something that was clearly an incredibly Difficult and distressing and traumatic time of your life into something that's helping 50,000 people with their own, and at least one person is still walking on this earth thanks to the work that you've been doing. So, yeah. Great. This has been a great episode. I've really enjoyed great, talking same. to you. Yeah, um,
1: no, it's Halifin. been great. I mean, it's always tough, isn't it, when it's at seven o'clock after a long day at work. And, uh, but it's actually been really enjoyable. So thank you, Tom. That's been great.
0: Awesome. Yeah, no, you too. Um, I'm, I'm, literally, I'm starting to well up a little bit here. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a bit emotional about, you, about your story. Really, really awesome. Thanks so much for joining me, Matt. Um, and yeah, welcome back on anytime. Thanks so much.